Hey, this is Delitra. Hey, everybody. This is Angela. And you're listening to Nutrient Sisters, a podcast dedicated to helping you learn how to nourish your body and soul. Welcome back to another episode of Nutrient Sisters. If you're new here, this was a podcast started by two friends to discuss and educate about ways to help you nourish yourself. So my name is Delitra, and I'm here as always with my co-host, Angela. Happy Friday. Well, this is Friday today that we're recording. So whatever day you're listening to, happy whatever day that is. Um, we are so happy that you tuned in today. We have a special guest on the potty today. I'm so excited about the guests that we have. They have information and experiences that we don't have, so they make me excited. Um, Dr. Toya is here with us today. Dr. Toya is a wife, mother, entrepreneur. She's a founder and CEO of her company by default. Dr. Toya is also board certified OBGYN, which she says that her profession is the least interesting thing about her. Um, She hails from Trinidad and Tobago, but she currently lives in Northern California. Today, we're going to learn more about Dr. Toya and her motherhood journey. Dr. Toya, welcome to the Nutrient Sisters podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. We are so excited to have you. Um, Can you tell us more about yourself? Was there anything that I missed in my introduction about you? Yeah, I think you hit all the high points. I'm from Trinidad and Tobago. Oh, a big one is that I went to the best HBCU in the land, Howard University. Yeah. (laughs) Undergrad and medical school, that's a big one. Um, But yeah, I trained in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania Hospital, and now I live in Northern California. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. How long have you been a doctor? I graduated medical school in 2011. Um, so how long is that? Oh my gosh. 10 years. <laughs> yeah. Wow, yeah. Yeah. And you've been kind of all over. You're in Pennsylvania, yeah. you're in Virginia or DC, and then you're now in yeah. California. Yes, because I think because I'm from Trinidad, I never really had roots anywhere. So it was very easy for me to just say, I'll try somewhere new. Um, And I'm very like nomadish. Even when I was in Trinidad, um, my mother would always be upset. Like I would go to a friend's house and like never call. I would just be like enjoying myself. Right, right. (laughs) Yeah, she always tells a story about uh, when I started kindergarten. Well, it was Montessori school and I am the youngest of three. So she had experiences with my two sisters starting school, you know, the typical um, start crying when they're leaving mom. She said when she dropped me off, I looked at her and was like, where should I put my lunch bag? And then walked away. (laughs) (laughs) You ready? (laughs) So, yeah, so that's like my personality in a nutshell. So uh, all that to say, you know, it was I just saw it as an adventure to just go different places and, you know, see what's new. 
Yeah, no, that's awesome. I know that um, when we, well, when Delitra was talking with you, you were really more interested in sharing more personal experiences mm-hmm. with, you know, being a mother um, rather than, because apparently, um, yeah, you're an OBGYN. Yes. Um, so you see it day in and day out, but you said yes. that there were differences. Yes, definitely. And I didn't realize the differences until I had my son. It's one of those things where um, I don't know if are you guys mothers or no? No. No. No, Okay. Yeah. So it's just like you, especially for me, I learned about certain things. So I thought I was an expert. And then I had my son. I was like, wow, I really didn't know what I was talking about. (laughs) I can't (laughs) believe I was was telling people about how they would feel and what to do because I had no idea. Um, And it really was a factor of our training. Um, you just, or they just really didn't focus on that fourth trimester, that postpartum period. Um, so much so that, you know, ACOG, which is our like governing body that gives us our guidelines and such, mm-hmm. they came out with a couple of statements just really being like, hey guys, we really need to do better about this postpartum management Um so, you know, it was really just things that I had to learn on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, and thankfully, I had some resources, you know, Facebook and stuff like that. But they were groups of other physicians. So it was, you know, high quality information. So I was lucky in that respect. So I didn't have to rely on Dr. Google and stuff like that for things that I just wasn't aware of. I had, you know, I had that privilege. So I was very grateful for that. But there was a lot. There was a lot of stuff that I just wasn't expecting. I'm really glad that you said that because I was literally just talking to someone the other day um, about how I everything that I have learned like thus far about motherhood has been through social media right and I don't know like how like great that is <laughs> like um, I mean I think I would prefer to hear it from like my OBGYN but right. um yeah like literally everything and I think that's why my not wanting kids I think that's where that mm-hmm. comes from because I've seen such like more of an Color insider stories. look yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's the thing, though. Online, you see the best things and the worst things, right? So it's kind of skewed a little bit of bias there mm-hmm. because nobody is sharing the regular, you know, hey, this is what happened. It's either totally sensationalized and, you know, I almost died, and which right. could have very well been true, um, or, you know, this kind of fantasy ethereal oh I I breathed twice and my baby fell out and everything was great (laughs) and they latched perfectly and we nursed for five years and had the greatest bond like you know things that either make you feel terrible like you don't want to have a kid or like wow I'm a failure because I didn't have this experience so it can be a lot it can be a lot for moms and even not moms just like you like you like, well, I don't want to do that. Um, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How, how many kids do you have? Just one. He was the, he okay. was the first one. Yeah. And he's a oh. year and a half. Yeah. Oh, he's still so little. Yes. Yeah. He's uh, very much a baby. <laughs> That's funny that you said that, Angela, because um, I kind of had the opposite effect about social media and motherhood. So 
for many, many years, I did not have a desire to be a mother just from like in-person experiences, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) seeing mothers struggling at the grocery store or at the clinic or things like that. And actually social media has made it seem like it's not that bad to me. (laughs) And that could be that other extreme side where there's a facade, everything's perfect. Right. their kid is well behaved. Um, and it could also be that social media provides a community. So mm-hmm. mothers can look to each other and share tips and um, confide into each other. And then I think, oh, maybe it's maybe it's not uh, that bad. Um, so that's so funny that you had the opposite effect looking at social media. Like, no, that's not for me. <laughs> right. Maybe um, I need to watch the videos you're watching. <laughs> right, because you know our news feed is totally different. Right. <laughs> different. I, I've said that on the podcast and in person. D'Angelo before, I, like, I'm not looking at all that struggle. Now, sometimes I do see an explore page and I'm like, yikes. Um, but you know, that, that that's their truth. You know, there are things that happen sometimes, but I'm kind of encouraged with the amount of resources that we have now. Like, I feel like, Uh, The other day I was seeing on social media, there's a doctor that helps uh, parents feed their children, like Mm -hmm. um, dealing with picky eaters, uh, baby led weaning and things like that. That is so interesting to me um, and so cool that 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 resource is uh, out there. But uh, Dr. Toy, I did want to hear about your, um, well, like Angela said, I, I'm also I'm not a mother, so I'm, I want to ask all the questions about yes. motherhood because I, I have no idea. My mother can't really go back in the 90s and tell me what happened. Um, but I want to know, how was your childbirthing process? Because I think of the OBGYN, like, I would imagine you're extremely prepared for that process and probably could do that at home yourself. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I guess I could have, um, but it was actually, and it was actually really good. And, you know, I, the reason I hesitate is because it's one of those things, right? Where I don't want to make it seem like, oh, it's all fine and everything's great and this is easy. But mine was kind of easy. And so I, you know, I just have to thank God for that, that it was great. And mm-hmm. I had good support and um, everything turned out fine. And it's, you know, some people may think because I'm an OB, it's always okay because I, I have the inside track and like you said, yeah. I'm prepared. But it's actually sometimes it's a running joke for us that it's the opposite. That, you know, when one of our colleagues comes in, it's like, oh, beware, everything's about to go wrong. Because, <laughs> um, okay. you know, just how luck goes. But... I was very fortunate in that I scheduled my induction. Um, I don't know how much how many details you want, but I'm about to give you a, a lot. <laughs> but, <laughs> so I wanted to be delivered at 40 weeks or thereabouts because I I was nine pounds two ounces, and so was my husband. He oh, is okay. six four, wow. and I am five nine. So I was okay. like, I don't want to have a huge baby so we're not going to go to 41 weeks um, so I scheduled my induction and I was about two centimeters dilated when I first went in 
they gave me one dose of medication at around noon and I had him by 5.36. I never needed any more medication. Um, I had no interest in going natural. Um, I, <laughs> I knew I wanted to experience the contractions and the pain because I think as a physician, it is important. It's not necessary, but it is important to have a frame of reference. Um, yeah for the things that you are counseling your patients about. Obviously, that's not right. possible with many things, um, but I do, uh, I always appreciate when I have been able to experience something that my patients are going through. So I know I wanted to experience this. I'm just out of curiosity, like, how bad is it? Let me tell you, it's very bad. So, okay, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, Bye. but I knew it was not an important thing to me to go natural. So it was more like I didn't even get that far into the pain. I was just like, oh, I'm ready. Let's get that epidural in. Um, so I got it. I was five centimeters then. And then my water broke on its own. And I was like, it literally felt like my pelvis was being split open, even though I had an epidural. Oh, I know. Yeah. I, I like. I don't know how. That's what I said. I don't know how much y'all want to know, but I'm trying I'll to be you. I'm trying to know. <laughs> yeah. But you know, that's something else that I don't think we counsel people enough about is that some people have very dense epidurals and that's fine. Sometimes it actually can be not great because you can't feel to push, but um, a lot of times you feel you do feel pressure. So the epidural takes away pain. It really a good epidural that's not too heavy doesn't really take away pressure so you're still going to feel something and I definitely did it wasn't like I think the is that unknown thing that makes it like what is going on like I knew that so it wasn't as bad but it was I could imagine if I didn't know that that's what I would feel and I assumed the epidural would make me completely comfortable I could see how that could be scary or like having you thinking that the epidural is not working mm. um but yeah, I was just like, yeah, he is coming. And my friend came in to deliver me and she was at home. She was on call that day. So I was like, hey, buddy, um, I'm ready. She's like, oh, she was in the pool. She did not expect me to go that fast. Right. <laughs> so she's like, okay, let me get out of the pool. And I'm, I'm coming. She lives like five minutes from the hospital. Okay. So um, she came in and it was a beautiful delivery. I pushed for like six minutes and wow. he came out yeah he he had um i don't even remember what happened but they had to take him over to the warmer to do some very quick resuscitation oh, uh, so okay. i don't even remember what happened honestly and it's it, like you have these ideas about how your delivery would go especially as an ob i was like i want to see him come out so i had the mirror <laughs> and i wanted to pull him out myself yeah. It was so uncomfortable. I just, I couldn't even focus. Right. I, don't, I don't even think I opened my eyes. I, know. <laughs> okay. I was just like, I had all these plans. I wanted to see him come out. Yeah, none of that happened. Um, <laughs> right, yeah. Well, so, my, mom, my mom said that as soon as, like, it's painful, but she said that you, it's like you forget the pain. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it kind of just fades, like, you know, immediately. And I was yeah. like... I don't know if I believe that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, and I think that goes when everything turned out okay. Like you have this baby and you're so focused on that. You don't really, like when you're planning for your next one, you're not like, oh, that was so terrible. I never want to do that again. If everything mm. turned out okay. If it was traumatic, then you it 
it may stay with you and it may make you say, I don't want to do that. So um, it just depends on the situation, I think. But yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a pretty nice experience. So what, um, what made you want to go that route as compared to like a water birth? Cause I've seen that online Mm. and that looks kind of interesting. It is interesting. And it's <laughs> so, so many things about that. Um, so the water does help with the pain. But again, I go, having a natural birth was not a priority for me. Um, it never was. It, it was more of a curiosity. I always said, like, I wouldn't mind laboring at home. And if I was able to do it, then I would. Mm-hmm. And great. But I never associated any kind of value or a, a sense of accomplishment with having a natural birth. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really, it's something that... I wish more people thought that way because it kind of takes away the stigma of if you do get one or if you were planning to and you couldn't do it for whatever reason. Um, It's not like you don't get a special prize for going natural. Like it's impressive. It's very impressive. Don't get me wrong. And I stay in awe at women who were able to do it. But to say that it was like something I definitely planned to do. It, it really wasn't that important to me. The most important mm-hmm. thing was a healthy mommy, healthy baby. Um, For so, sure, yeah. you know, however that had to go, that's what I was okay with. And then coming from the, you know, the practical OBGYN side of me, I was just like, I don't even think I would mind having him naturally, but if I had a tear and I had to get stitches, do mm-hmm. I want that to happen without an epidural? No. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. That's true. So it was also some of that as well. Um, but, you know, um, water births and stuff like that, it kind of goes into the whole home birth um, topic, which I, I do feel very strongly about, but I, I feel like... I want to tread very carefully with with that because in general, I'll, I'll say it clinically. And of course, you know, everything I'm saying is just as a mom who happens to be an OBGYN, not medical advice, but mm-hmm. it really is not safe um, in okay. general. You know, the safety studies and stuff for home births are really from populations that are not American. Um, so Europe, you, we really can't compare ourselves to Europeans who have home births all the time. Okay. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll leave that one alone because that's a whole, <laughs> that's, that's fine. A, that's fine. That's I just see it online and I'm like, Oh, okay. Like yeah. people are just out here in a tub giving birth. Yeah, yeah no, I, yeah, it's, I've I have quite a bit of thoughts on that. I'm just gonna leave that one right there. But it does it does help with the pain, I will say that. Okay, okay. <laughs> different strokes for different folks. That's right. Exactly. I think if I if I were to become a mother and if I I feel like the idea of having the baby at my house, but the doctor mm-hmm. comes there, like they mm-hmm. can bring all the supplies there. <laughs> so I would be comfortable <laughs> in my bed. Right. Uh, but, but otherwise, likely I'm going to be at the hospital. I'm not yeah. that strong. The pressure alone, like that kind of freaks me out too. Right. I, um, Cause I've had some 
minor things that happen, like with my ear, clean on my ear, something like that. And yeah. I feel pressure and it's like, oh, so I can't imagine yeah. um, <laughs> verb, you know, that's like probably a right. hundred times over um, being a thing for me. Um, so I do remember when we were connecting um, and Dr. Toy is another person that I met on that collaboration membership that I'm a part of, mm-hmm. uh, that you uh, breastfeed your child or you were breastfeeding. I still am. Uh, you still am. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> yes. Um, how has, the, how has your breastfeeding experience been? Um, it was, it was pretty good. Um, okay. It was also something that I was not prepared for. Like not okay. even a little bit. I think that was out of everything. That was the biggest thing that I think I was not prepared for. Really? And okay. yeah, it was definitely something that I leaned in on the Facebook community for. I actually came off of social media during my maternity leave because it was in the middle of the pandemic. It was 2020 with mm-hmm. everything that was happening with 2020. So I just couldn't, it, it was too much for me. So I just actually came off of everything but I stayed on Facebook just so I can be in that breastfeeding group that I was in like it was I needed that much guidance and it was that helpful um but there were just so many things that I did not know and that I was not taught and um yeah it was it was a journey and I I I told myself I can see why women decide not to do this like mm-hmm. before and it's one of those things right you don't know the experience so you're like you're telling people stuff from no frame of reference so it's right. I, I didn't get it before why it was so easy for women to be like yeah no I'm not mm-hmm. doing that but now I definitely do definitely yeah I mean was it like um what was it like a painful experience where you just not really yes. like was your child not Bonding or, or latching, latching. That's what yeah. I mean. Yeah. So that's the thing. I even everything went right, and it was still hard. And that's why I'm like, I can see why people don't do this because I didn't even have problems, and it was still hard. I can't mm, imagine wow. if I had issues. Like there was no way with everything else going on, the sleep deprivation, I would just be like, please get me a bottle right now. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, I definitely, it was a learning experience, but no, he latched fine. My milk came in very quickly. Um, my supply was great, but okay. it was still very hard. Um, I don't know. I still, I always say my latch was great, but I don't know if it was because People still out there and lactation consultants tell people that it's not supposed to hurt. It hurt. Let me tell oh, you guys. Okay. Right now. okay. Yes. Yeah, please. I mean the truth. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, my friend who's a pediatrician who also um, has a has a baby, she was kind of my personal resource as well. I spoke to her like almost every day. And she was like, Yeah, no, it, it hurts. Your nipples have to toughen up and then eventually it will get better. And mm-hmm. going through that part, I feel like like I still hear from professionals that you know if it's if the baby's latched properly, it's not supposed to hurt. But uh, no, everybody I talk to says different. Right. Eventually, it it doesn't. Like right now, it's fine. Even though he has teeth and everything, he doesn't bite or anything, um, and it doesn't That's hurt. Good. But um, it definitely in the beginning, before my nipples quote unquote toughened up, mm-hmm. it was definitely very uncomfortable, and there was um, bleeding and 
cracking and all that stuff. Okay. I don't, okay. <laughs> I don't want to freak you all out. <laughs> no, we need the truth. Yeah. We need the truth. And I have heard that from professionals. If it hurts, it's because the baby's not latched on properly. Yeah. You're not doing the right position. Um, and I try not to, even though, you know, nutrition-wise, dietitians begin this the best thing for your baby but it appears like it's a very challenging process for a lot of mothers and you already have so many other things you know going on with motherhood in general and then the baby Uh doesn't latch um like you bleed it's sore you're not producing enough um the baby is tongue-tied all these different things and it's like ah like yeah um so I, mean, I try not to judge yeah i all i always wonder now if when people say he didn't latch if it was really that it was just painful and they held on to that thing that well if it's painful the latch isn't good so i'm just not going to keep going so mm. i'm wondering if we're really doing people a disservice by saying that and you know through this journey i really i, I am considering i really can't take anything else on right now but I am considering getting certified as a lactation consultant because I oh, feel cool. like it's, yeah, it's so important to me now. So I'm interested in if I would learn more about that. But it, it going through the experience has made me wonder if it's us holding on to that, you know, a good lash doesn't hurt thing is what's dissuading mothers from, from pushing through. Not that you should, if it really is you know, too much. I'm not saying, you know, just push through the pain and because some people it just, you can't, but for, I know for some women, it is very, very important to be able to breastfeed. And if it's just that little hump, I know they would make the sacrifice like I did because mm-hmm. I, it was that important to me. Um, yeah. Do you, do you feel like, because since I know you're from, um, the Trinidad and Tobago, mm-hmm. Tobago, Tobago. Um, mm-hmm. Do you feel like there culturally was kind of a shift too? Like, where's your family telling you like all these, you know, things that you should be doing that that were maybe stemmed from more cultural roots, and then things no. that you had that you had learned as a medical professional? And did you feel like it was just kind of like maybe differences or similarities that kind of helped you or? Not really, um, okay. because let me tell you, <laughs> my mother, that generation is actually, um, she's older. She, my mother is, what year are we in? She's 71. Mm-hmm. She's going to be 72. That generation, there was a push by the um, formula companies where they were telling everybody formula was better than breastfeeding. There was a point in time mm-hmm. where that was a thing. Okay. And um, my mother didn't, she always tells us, she breastfed for like a couple of months and it was done. She was yeah. she me in awe, like I'm like I'm still breastfeeding. So it wasn't even like it was that important for her. Um and even my mother in law says the same thing. Um I don't even think if she, she lasted that long. Okay. So I didn't it, it definitely wasn't that I was able to make it this far because I had the guidance of my mom. Um, yeah, no. And also she wasn't here. So the pandemic oh, okay. also took that away from me, right? Oh, she, yeah. yeah, she was supposed to come to help me. And then the borders closed right before my baby shower and then didn't open up until uh, July of this year. So mm, she okay. wasn't here at all. Yeah. 
That's a long time. That is a long time. Yeah, yeah, I still haven't seen them. Um, so and they haven't seen my son or anything. So oh, it's, goodness. Yeah, it's been a little bit rough, but thank God for FaceTime. So yeah, right. yeah, thank God for technology. Yeah, yeah, if I remember correctly, I think my I'm I'm one of three. I think my mother tried with my brother breastfeeding and then she gave up and didn't even try <laughs> with us yeah. um which i i understand especially being a, a working mother yes uh and now i i see some of my coworkers that are new mothers and they're pumping mm-hmm. they have a hard time finding a quiet right private place to pump right. so that's an issue too and yeah. i would just be like you know what i'm fed up I'm not I'm not yeah. doing this. They're making it hard for because I think with the, the Affordable Care Act, there's supposed to be some sort of provision that your employer they have to provide a space, um, and some employers do not do that. So right. if you're having pushback from that, and your breasts are just leaking, I I can see how a woman be like, you know what, I'm done with this. Right. Um, so kudos to you for powering through right. and. I'm wondering, and this this might be a silly question. So this is based off of me working uh, at one point with WIC, with new moms, prenatals and postpartum. Um, and some women would really, uh, what's just the term I want to use? They would be surprised that a mother would breastfeed for longer mm-hmm. than six months, which mm-hmm. I know the general recommendation is, uh, I think a year yeah. is good. And I think six months is great also. Um, but yeah. usually past that, some women are adverse to that. Yeah. So I wonder what made you uh, breastfeed for longer with your child? Yeah, so you're right. The recommendations from the AAP is six months exclusive and a year of breastfeeding. And I think the WHO recommends two years. So, you know, okay. outside of this country, breastfeeding much longer than a year is the norm. Mm. Um, wow. Yeah. But and I, I, I do get, and that's the thing. I my friend who is a pediatrician, she breastfed for three and a half years, and she's okay. also from the Caribbean, from a different island. And she got all the pushback from her family. They were like, mm. "What are you doing? Like, why, mm, why right. don't you stop?" Yeah. So it is a thing that you know people think it's weird. Um, yeah. And. I I don't know why I never thought it was weird. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think when I had him, I just wanted the best thing for him. And it's I didn't have a, like a terrible time. It was our way of bonding. And mm-hmm. because I work so much, it was also, and this is a theme from a lot of OBGYNs I know who are moms, it's like we're away so much, it's the least we can do, right, to mm-hmm. give them um, the breast milk and, you know, go through the stress of pumping and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And then I said I wanted to stop, and then I just never did. <laughs> I, I had goals. I had, like, by this time I'm going to stop. And then I, I went away for a couple of days in October. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to stop. And then I just stopped trying. And I was just like, he'll stop mm-hmm. when he's ready. So if, I think if he stopped on his own after a year, it would have been fine. But the mm-hmm. fact that he's still interested, I kind of gave up. I, I gave up fighting. 
Hmm. Yeah. Okay. I, I so. see with some moms, it's a process yeah. to wean their child um, off of breastfeeding because it is a bonding yeah. um, thing for the kid. And, and from my understanding, um, like some children that suck their thumb, it's mm-hmm. another sort of like soothing yeah. motion like breastfeeding is. So it's an emotional regulation or mental regulation for a child. Um, so I can, I see some mothers, they have that challenge, like, okay, I want to stop, but my child yeah. doesn't want to stop. Or some women, they want to keep going and it's beneficial um, health-wise for the child. So it's not something that I have an aversion to, but I know that there's people out there that are like, mm-hmm. he has teeth. Yes. Why are you still doing that? Or they think it's some sexual thing. I'm like, what? Yeah, Why yeah. Your mom wants their kid. Mm-hmm. It's, so I, I hear some strange stuff. So I had to ask that. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's definitely a thing. And yeah, I don't, everybody's allowed to, um, to have their opinions. What I don't yeah. like is leave, leave the mom alone. Let her do whatever she likes. Right. Like, yeah. Hey, so, I hear that. Especially yeah. right now because uh, we're living in such an interesting time. I mean, we, yes. the government is really fighting back on motherhood and, you know, so I know that you kind of alluded to, you know, most, most people know that there's three trimesters in a pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Um, you alluded, you alluded in the very beginning to a fourth trimester. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm wondering if you can explain a little bit more about what that is and what that means. Yeah. So like you said, there are three trimesters in the actual pregnancy and they kind of coined that term, the fourth trimester, to um, signify the importance of the time after you have the baby. So within those first uh, six to 12 weeks after you have the baby, that's when we talk about the fourth trimester. And um, it's that part that I feel like there's not enough focus on, especially when you talk about policy that's when American women have the least amount of support. And Mm -hmm. I think it all goes hand in hand because while we as physicians can recommend all we can recommend, we can only do so much in the context of employers and laws and stuff like that. So I can Mm -hmm. say, you know, this woman should stay home for three months but then how is she going to eat, right? She she doesn't have maternity leave that's paid. Like, you know, I live in California and the taxes we pay are off the chain, but we pay them for a reason. Like everybody here, I I could be wrong, but I don't think I am. You get the most amount of paid family leave in the country, Mm. in California. So we get four weeks before um, delivery as disability like maternity leave your state disability and then six weeks after if you have a vaginal delivery and eight weeks after if you have a c-section and then the, mm-hmm. on top of that there's paid family leave which is for men and women that everybody I, I think you have to have like um residency requirements for that mm-hmm. but it's something that's available there so wow. and then there's protected time that's unpaid so it's it's um, what we should be doing everywhere and it is conducive to you know you being okay in that point those those times after after delivery because it's a lot of there are a lot of changes um you need a lot of support and you know the way it's set up right now 
you, you really can't get that unless you're in a job mm-hmm. where, you know, your job itself has good benefits and then you have the paid time and all that. Yeah, wow. I mean, uh, you know, just hearing from what you've been saying so far, that still doesn't seem like enough. Maybe yeah. that's just me being crazy. I'm like six weeks, eight weeks. That That's only yeah. like... It just doesn't seem like enough. I mean, I'm assuming you took the full six weeks. Oh, no, I took way more than that. So, um, yeah, no, I was off for three months after. And it was because I had the paid family leave to Uh, add on to it. Yeah. So I, you know, even when I was applying for it, I needed a lot of help from my HR. It is very confusing. And Mm. because I, you know, I don't have to deal with the intricacies of doing it. I still don't even know exactly how it works. But that the four weeks before and the six weeks or eight weeks after is when you pay interstate disability in California, that's what you're paying for, for you to get those benefits. The pay family leave is a whole separate benefit and that wow. is an additional 12 weeks. So you have access to both of those times um, and that's almost everybody who is um, a resident of the state of California. Um, so you get oh, okay. access to it, but it's they make it difficult. <laughs> well, your job may make it difficult. Okay. So, yeah, so you have to actually qualify for um, pay family leave. I don't think everybody, like, pays into it. Like, some of the unions don't pay into state disability. It's all, it's, it is all very mm. confusing. Yeah. Um, but, and then it's not complete income replacement either. So some people, they may not be able to afford to do it. So there are a lot of, you know, nuances to it, but it's the most that's available of anywhere else that I know. Gosh. Wow. Yeah. I was going to say California is like its own country yes. in America. <laughs> like it can, you guys are so health forward on a lot of different things. Uh, and I didn't even know about the, the leave and uh, disability, disability that's available um, yeah. for residents there. That's, that's awesome, but I'm sure it's not enough. <laughs> Still, right. uh, there, there could be more, but cause I'm thinking, um, my husband's job, they just introduced, like, I think two weeks of parental, um, parental leave at his yeah. job. Um, and I was happy about that because there was nothing before. So right. I'm like comparing zero to, to more and being excited about that. But yeah. knowing that there needs to be more. And I know some jobs, and I don't think it's, we're in Virginia. I don't think we have state disability like that when it no, I don't, refers, probably not. I think you have to choose um with your employer like benefit plan yeah. if you want to get short-term or, or long-term right. disability I do remember going to this health fair of something and um being next to an insurance agent and he's like you need to get short-term disability and I was like for what you know right. he's like you, you you can be pregnant one day right. and you can use this and I was like oh I didn't know that I didn't know that that qualified for that yeah. Um, so but here it's, it's it's in it's in your taxes like it's in your state ah, thing okay. yeah so yeah you pay into it and that's why I mean it's expensive to live here but that's why uh, so, right yeah. Yeah. yeah I definitely hear that about California but it looks like the money is going to something good so right right uh, <laughs> so that's that's very promising and do you guys also would you also utilize Family Medical Leave Act as well? Yeah, or? so, oh my gosh, this stuff is also confusing. So there is FMLA. So the FMLA is, and I, 
for anybody who's listening who actually knows the details forgive me if i get it wrong but from what i understand it's the actual protection of your job it is not um income replacement Mm -hmm. so they can't fire you exactly yeah Yeah. so it's i think it goes in conjunction with the things that the state offers so so like you have the time from your fmla and then if you're within the state disability time you get paid from the state or if you're in the paid family leave time you get paid from the state but it's more like a job protection thing Hmm. right yes i do remember that that aspect and that goes back to what you were saying some people can't afford to be off like I right. I met a, a mother who she was a waitress and she gave birth like the week before and started work uh the week after and I was right. shocked by that right um but she said you know I have to make money I, I right. can't be at home um yeah and I was I was saddened by that reality yeah. um that a lot of people have to experience and also due to the lack of protection and policy that we have um, in our country. So thanks for talking about that. Yeah, you said that you took a a three months off. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering how was that time for you specifically? So it was really tough because I was alone and I never expected to be alone. Mm -hmm. Um, I always thought my mom would be here, always. Mm -hmm. Like I, it was just a given. Like she was around for my, when my sisters had their kids and, you know, ticket was bought, everything. Um, And yes, my husband was here and he was great, but we were also moving. So we had bought a new house and we closed two days before my induction um so then we had to move (laughs) right um and it's not even like we could have help locally because it was covid so even if you know there was a friend that could come to help us we we don't want anybody around we have a newborn you know nobody knew what was happening i delivered in may of 2020 so everything was very much unknown so um that part of it was was really tough but you know we made it through it's amazing what you can do when you don't have a choice um and it was the first time i ever considered staying home longer and not going back to work wow okay yeah i had never like i love my job i never thought that I would want to stay home, not even necessarily to be a housewife, just to be more home more for my son. And you, they change so fast and you can miss, you miss so much when you're not around. And I, I was shocked by the fact that I felt that way. Like I did not want to go back at the three months mark, but I had to, um, because, yeah, I, I had to go back to work. Okay. Um, but yeah, so it was, and then figuring out the breastfeeding and figuring out the sleeping. Mm-hmm. So that was a whole other thing. Um, moving. Right. <laughs> it was tough. And luck, uh, this is the thing. It was tough. And in the grand scheme of things, it was fine. Like I didn't have any issues. I didn't have any medical problems. I didn't have any mental health issues. I didn't have any milk supply issues. I didn't have any of that. So I cannot imagine if I had had X, Y, Z, how much harder it would have been. So I'm just grateful. 
No, yeah. that's that's good you brought that up because a large part of why I don't want to have kids is because of mm-hmm. my own mental health issue. Mm-hmm. And I do fear, one, that I'm obviously, it's genetic. I can pass that on to my kids. I don't want them to feel that way. But the second part is because of the postpartum depression that I always right. hear about, which can be really debilitating for a lot of new moms. Right. Um, so I'm glad to hear for you personally that you didn't experience any of that, especially at a time like that. I mean, you're moving yeah. and your mom's not there and it's COVID, which was right. just a crazy time. So yeah, I, that's that's really good. Yeah. So, I mean, I was definitely down. Don't get me wrong. And there was sometimes like, I, I, I had a friend who, I called once and she had her newborn and she's like, she lives in, in New Orleans and she's like, she's about to sell this baby. <laughs> oh, yeah. Quarter. <laughs> yeah. She's like, well, she's giving away. And I, you definitely feel that way. And it wasn't even like, you know, homicidal ideations. Like it wasn't even anything mental health. It's just like, I just need you to stop crying. Just, yeah, just right. stop. And it's not like you want to hurt your baby or anything like that. It's just like, what is going on? Like, mm-hmm. what? what is happening so you know I can't imagine that plus my own you know postpartum depression or anything like that um but you know with every as we go forward I think there's a lot more support and a lot more research and things um on postpartum depression and I feel like it is better than it would have been in the past where everything about mental health was so taboo. Mm-hmm. So they, you know, nobody wants to talk about anything. And that's how, that's how we lose moms, right? Because nobody's mm-hmm. talking about it and it just spirals out of control. So, um, you know, there is that support. And this is not me trying to convince you to have a kid, by the way. I'm just oh, yeah, saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I do know that there is more, it's not perfect, of course, but there is definitely more support out there and more, um, you know, uh, conversation about it, which is half the battle most of the times. Yeah. Did you always know that you wanted to be a mom? Um, I think it was always, it was just like an assumption that that's what would happen. It was okay. never like I was home as a young child thinking about my house and family and even a wedding. Like I was never like that. Um, but I don't think I ever didn't think I would have kids. It was just like, yeah, probably I'll get married and I'll, and I'll have kids. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, no that does. Do you, do you feel like, um, I don't know if I'm going to say this right. Do you feel like a like a normal mom? Like, I guess, like, um, because of your medical training, did you do the things that a lot of other moms do? Like, did you get a doula? Did you go to classes? Like, you know, those things that mm-hmm. a lot of other moms do. Do you feel like you did that? Or were you like, no, nah, like... I did some of it. Um, I should have gotten a doula. That would have been nice. Um, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't think I would have needed the childbirth part of it. I kind of just felt in my soul that it would be okay. And thankfully it was. Um, so I don't think I would have needed a doula during labor, but uh, or maybe if I wanted to go natural, I would definitely have gotten a doula. But again, like I said, it wasn't super important to me. Postpartum doula, I would have definitely, you know, taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I 
the assumption that my mom was going to be here. I was like, well, I, I don't really need that. But mm. um, I think it's a great, great resource. I did do classes uh, because, again, I didn't want to assume that I knew. And it's a good thing I didn't assume because I didn't know a lot of stuff. Yeah. So I did, I did a breastfeeding class. I did, um, what else did I do? I did newborn care. That's so... When OBs, <laughs> when the baby comes out, that's it. I'm done with that baby <laughs> in terms mm-hmm. of my medical care. Okay. So I, we don't really know how to take care of newborns. Like that's that's foreign mm-hmm. information. That goes straight to the pediatrician. So I definitely wanted to do the newborn care um, class. Um, and I, the only one I didn't do was a childbirth class cause I felt like it was okay. And also it was online. Um, it wasn't even in person because of COVID. So, um, I, I, I was more invested in the classes because of my husband, cause he okay. has zero experience with children mm-hmm. and delivery and all this mm-hmm. stuff, all the things. So, um, I did a little bit more just to get him involved. That's good. But yeah. But um yeah, I think I you know, I I think it was pretty normal, I suppose. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, I probably just have more access than than yeah. most, which is a blessing. Um but yeah, I think I did. Okay. I did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, that's a good question that I didn't think about. <laughs> um so we know you're a mother, you're a working mother. And you're also an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. So like I talk in the intro, you're founder and CEO of By Default. Can you tell mm-hmm. us more about that business and what that entails? Yeah. So it is a curated directory of Black-owned businesses and Black professionals who cater to the Black community. So um I am going to tell you, you know, I have, I don't know if you can tell, I talk a lot and I have lots of stories, so I'm going to take you back <laughs> to, okay. to the beginning. So um, when I, the first time I came to the United States, I was 10 um, and it was just on vacation and I was in my uncle's apartment and I was being nosy, messing around. And I think he went to the grocery store and the stuff was on the floor and I picked up a bottle of shampoo and I read it and it said for normal hair. And I just remember being very confused and I was just like, well, what is normal hair? I was like, is my hair normal? Like, what does this mean? You know, and coming from Trinidad, you know, almost everybody has some level of melanin. Half the population is of African descent. So, you know, everybody kind of looks like me, but I I was just like, I don't know what this means. So I forgot about that. You know, I moved on. I was 10. I didn't think about it again. But that feeling of, yeah, of confusion stayed with me. Um, So, you know, I went home and then when I came back for undergrad and, you know, I started living here and, you know, really experiencing what it was to be American and what it means to be black in America, I figured out what normal meant and it was definitely not me and not Mm -hmm. people that look like me right um and you know that feeling that I had as a child kind of it was explained and you know there's that general um feeling of otherness that people try to put on us so it's you know this you are not normal you're not the standard you're exotic um that kind of uh rhetoric is what is put on us by the mainstream, by the, by mm-hmm. the majority. Right. Okay. So, um, I really wanted to 
focus on, you know, using products and finding services that didn't see me as other. They saw me as the standard because in my life, I am the standard. I am normal. Right. right. Every everybody in my life looks like me. My husband is black. My son is black. Most of my friends are. So that outside narrative is not what I am living. And I am the leader of my own story. So I want everything that I have in my life to reflect me. So, you know, when with 2020 and everything else, you, there was like this explosion of black owned businesses that were making things, especially for us, catering to us um, directly, as opposed Mm -hmm. to when the mainstream does it, where it just seems like a kind of like a side thought, you know, it's like, well, Mm -hmm. we need some black dollars. So let me, let's just make this extra stuff for them Mm -hmm. as well. Never really an intentional thing. So, um, you know, when you want to look for some of these black owned brands, because they, you know, a little bit smaller, don't have huge marketing dollars, you have to kind of look all over the place, right? So YouTube videos, yeah. blogs, Instagram, and I am a fan of efficiency, you know, blame it on your day job. Um, so <laughs> I don't really like going through like YouTube videos and blogs to find about products because you know, usually they tell you like a long rambling story, kind of like my story right now. Um, and then they'll give, you, they'll give you the juice, right? So I wanted to have this centralized place where you can search easily, find the things that you need from black owned brands that view you as the ideal like you are their ideal client when they are making oh, awesome. this product. Yeah, they are thinking of somebody who looks like us right um and i wanted to bring those all in one place so that's how i came up with the idea for the directory and um you know the yeah the name comes from you know everything is black by default so you know Mm -hmm. we are the standard we are the default it's all black yes okay that's perfect yeah i like that I yeah. can't remember what we were talking about the other Angela and I a couple seasons ago. I remember we were talking about like the boom of the I I don't want to say the idea of black businesses where the, mm-hmm. like everybody wanted to support it support them now. Right. And I was saying how hard it is sometimes to find yes. where they are mm-hmm. because of like you were talking about the the lack of marketing resources and things right. like that. I'm like scrolling and scrolling right. and now you know with the the pandemic and the unfortunate um, the unfortunate passing of um, the the black man and the police officer I don't know why mm-hmm. his name is uh, leaving me now but people are like okay let's start buying black they were labeling things black owned right so there's been some progress in that but I'm I'm still finding myself mm-hmm. having to put in some extra keywords right. Right. to figure out <laughs> you know where are they at uh so I'm so glad uh that you you have that and I'm definitely going to uh, look into that and use that I need that like you were saying you know the whole the, the way that society is set up, especially in America, is for the white majority. Right. The, the nude shoes, the nude stockings. Right. Yes. The, um, 
the hair products, mm -hmm. the lotion, the makeup, even if there's a black shade. I mean, I mean thank God for Fenty now, but, right? um, <laughs> but I remember being in Walmart and there's like two black shades right. for um, pre and all this stuff happening now and I'm like oh, I'm not quite that one but I'm not quite right. that color either so what do I do there um, so I'm happy that we're making progression and we have your business to help us find these people Yes, and you know, that Fenty story is like one of my favorite stories that I usually tell when I talk about the business is because that is what I mean when I say the mainstream only caters to us when it's convenient or when they want to just do it just because. And mm -hmm. it's not never really intentional because I don't know if you all remember when Fenty dropped it was a big deal. Like people yeah. were flooding Sephora. They had all these, oh, wow. um, yeah, everything. And then when you looked on Twitter, the all the mainstream brands were posting pictures about, hey, we have dark shades too. Don't, <laughs> don't forget about us. I was just like, uh, miss me with that. Like, like right. it was, it was just like, come on, guys. And because when you look at the shades, they were like two shades that were right. darker than, you know, like my compression. I'm not that dark, you know, just mm -hmm. like mine and one that, that's a little bit um, darker. And that's yeah. like Rihanna created those products for us with intention yeah. mm -hmm. for the yeah. wide range of levels of melanin that you're going to find. And that intention is what is, is important. And, you know, there are a couple of directories out there and every day I find a new one and I'm like, well, damn, like, <laughs> I thought I was being unique, but, um, right. you know, for mine in particular, I, wanted to really focus on the user and the user experience, which is why the functionality of it was really important to make it easy to search. And also, I want you to feel a certain way when you look on the directory. So it's not just any old black business that's on there. It's specifically black businesses that make you feel seen, make you feel catered to, celebrated. So it's going to be very obviously black-owned. The products are going to be very obviously for black people. And that was all very intentional so that you get that feeling of this this was made for me you know mm -hmm. i i feel like somebody thought about me when they made this stuff and it's awesome. great yeah so that's what i try to stick to when i decide you know who which businesses i'm going to i'm going to list um but yeah, yeah that part sure. was really important that's awesome. I'm really glad that, yeah, you did that. I'm going to have to yeah. check that out for sure. Yeah. Um, you spoke a little bit about, you know, the, the intention behind, behind doing that and a little bit about, you know, you shared that your husband was black and your son is black. Mm -hmm. And I guess my question for you is, um, do you think that there is, that you, uh, how do I word this? Do you think that there's intention in the way that you, are as a mother be knowing that your son is black and he's Definitely. growing up in this world that you know he still sees us as other <laughs> right right no definitely and that's uh you know i have such grand plans for this directory <laughs> mm -hmm. and another a big part of why i created it of course my own story but it's because of my son and um when I was, even before he was born and I was buying things for him, books and things like that, 
they all have black faces. They mm-hmm. like that representation is very important because these are the years where he's being molded. The, his foundation is being created right now. Mm-hmm. And I can't change the world. I mean, you know, of course we can all change the world, but I can't change this institution of racism by myself. I need to prepare my child to deal with it. And that starts with a strong foundation. So we are very intentional with the images that he consumes, with the books that he has, with the shows that he watches. They will almost always either be animals or have black characters. Um, So... You know, I I don't want it to be like those studies where you see they have like five-year-olds and they ask them, you know, which color is the the pretty hair and everybody says yellow. Like that's Mm -hmm. not, that's not going to be him, I hope. Mm -hmm. Um, And we've been able to do that more because he's been home because of the pandemic, right? Right. So if he had to go to daycare, like where I live um, is, is diverse in the technical sense of the, the word, whereas they are there's everybody here mm-hmm. every type of asian person hispanic people black people white people but it's still not like a black area mm-hmm. where i am right now so when he goes to daycare he will um definitely not you know be exposed to as many um black children and things like that so because we have him home, we can kind of control that. Not that I don't ever want him to be around other races. That's not what I'm saying at all. Right, but, right. you know, I need him to know what his standard is. What is what is normal for us is this This is what it is. It's not mm-hmm. that we are different and they are the ideal and we're just kind of different. And, you know, why is your hair like this? It's that... This is this is how it is, and these are, these people are different because you know this is the mm-hmm. baseline that you're coming from. You have this strong foundation, so um, the I, I want to have a lot more of um, those type of educational um, products and stuff on the directory as well that feature black characters because they're not a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if I'm being extra, maybe I am, but like he had mm-hmm. some. Um, alphabet cards and this is this is where it's ingrained in everything the picture for the nose the eyes and the air were all white um pictures Mm -hmm. like it was a white straight nose it was green eyes on a white face and it was a white air I took them out I was just like I don't like that's also setting a standard for him that Mm -hmm. this is what an air looks like his air doesn't look like that Mm -hmm. you know um, and I was, if I had it together, I would have like bought paint and painted it over myself or drawn it. I just took them out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to learn it some other way. But like, right. I shouldn't have to do that. <laughs> right? right. Like, I feel like I should just be able to give him something that has representation. And it doesn't even have to be all black. It just has to show mm-hmm. the world as it actually is. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not that it's all white. So, right, right. yeah understandable yeah for sure Whew, I feel like I could go in so many tangents about <laughs> the way society like is set up like... and how we're raised and I'm just gonna hold back yeah. um but I'm so glad that you're intentional about that and that is gonna I know that's gonna be tremendous for his um growing process and 
the experiences that he has and how he will be as an adult and, and how he treats other people. Because right. some people treat us, uh, I believe some, a certain way just purely due to ignorance. They just right. have no idea. Definitely. They have no frame of reference. Um, and ignorance is just their their uh, their blockage there. So I know but, I that mean, that... Ignorance in 2021, like... No, <laughs> yeah. pass anymore. <laughs> right. No, no. I I don't think it's passable at all. But I, I, yeah. I'm saying I don't think parents do their children a service by trying to hold them back from everything right. and and right. to shelter them and to to one sort of thinking and yeah. um, only have them around a certain amount of people and to categorize everybody this way. That's what I mean. But yeah. the way that our, our generation. And the people behind us, I, I feel encouraged about, uh, for the most part, where we're going in regards to uh, our thought processes. There's still some crazy ones out there. So <laughs> let me not say that. But I do see some some good stuff, some more diversity, some more challenges like uh, with the things that we used to do before in society and what we're going to do now. I am encouraged by that. Yeah. Um, but, but I agree with the, the access of technology that we have that um, after you leave your sheltered experience, you really have no excuse yeah. as to why you're still acting that way. Um, so I'm, I'm glad to hear that. And I don't even have children, but I've been thinking about that. Like, I want more um, Black literature and more yes. Black art mm-hmm. in my house. I'm Black. And why would I, I mean, no shade to, to you white folks. Why would I have all different white people in my house right. when they don't even have us in their nope. homes? You know, <laughs> like, um, so I have been more intentional about that. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. I want things that reflect me. I want to see more of me. And yes. I, I was one of those ch- children that grew up with a negative disposition about myself and my color and my mm-hmm. hair like you were saying for normal hair yeah. and looking in the like I said I can go on a tangent but I'm just right. saying I agree mm-hmm. I agree I agree let me hold back I agree oh, um. you funny <laughs> oh lord well so Dr. Toya do you um obviously we want to thank you for coming on do you have anything else that you'd like to share with our audience um, I have lots of things. I feel like this was such a great conversation. I did. Like you said, um, I I just want to keep going on tangents. <laughs> so many things right. to talk about. Um, no, maybe we could do a part two. Yes, yeah. maybe. Um, yeah, and I, you know, one thing I wanted to touch on, especially since you mentioned the um, mental health issues, and you know, thank you for sharing that um, with me. I, I appreciate yeah. that. But... Um, that's another part of the directory that's that's kind of separate. And I, you know, when I get on my tangent on my soapbox about why I created a directory, I almost forget to mention is that there are there's a whole separate part that's for professional services. And I really wanted to include like mental health professionals, physicians, attorneys. And it's really, yes, the the product-based uh, businesses are important, but I want it to be a place where you can come and find every single thing that you need to live your best life. And that does include, 
you know, things that we need to do as adults. <laughs> like adulting right. is hard. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, so that's why I wanted to to include that. It's being it's building more and I'm building it up and adding more people to it. But um definitely with the mental health services and I just have to figure out what's the best way to get um those resources connected mm-hmm. there because I, I do value it a lot and I am so happy that we are on this trajectory where mental health, especially in the black community, is being spoken about and being accepted mm-hmm. and it's just like the norm. It is yeah. great. So mm-hmm. it's definitely um, a part of this side that's very important to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And from the physician part of it, like I spoke about before, I have this certain level of privilege because of my access. And it's something that I wanted to share because I know people are out there searching for um, doctors that look like them. So I mm-hmm. wanted to provide that resource um, as well. So, yeah, there are lots of lots of big things um, coming. And I hope like you said, we're heading in the right direction for everything in terms yeah. of support for, for moms postpartum, provisions for, for breastfeeding, paid family leave. I, I hope we are all heading in the right direction with all those things. Oh, I yeah. hope so too. Because mm. so far this year, politically, it's just right. been, it's been, it's a been draining. Yeah, it's been a little bit of a disappointment. But yeah. like you said, we need a part two, man. <laughs> And yes, we do. And hopefully it's after they pass some of those those things. Right. <laughs> we can talk, yeah. Mm. Um, well, no, I mean, yeah, I'm definitely open and down for a part two, especially because you have um, spoken so well about your experience. Um, mm. You haven't changed my mind at all, which is great. <laughs> like, I still don't want kids. Um, but I really enjoyed the insider look, um, yeah. especially coming from somebody who is a medical professional. Um, yeah. Because, you know, like you said, I I don't th- – yeah, my OBGYN is actually not black. She's she's of Asian descent. So, mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, sometimes it is a little like I wish I had – someone to talk to that looked more like me yeah um I mean I appreciate that she's at least still a minority mm, but yeah you know, mm-hmm. but um no so hearing it from you has been really helpful um because yeah. we don't hear it from minority you know women of color very often yeah. so yeah and I just wanted to say one other thing because you mentioned um the fact that you still want to have kids I completely respect that and I really hope that's something else that we are moving towards as well respecting people's decision to do whatever it is they want to do with their life and not yet you know saying nothing is for free right yeah it costs you absolutely nothing right Right? so um i've never been one to try to impose my views on other people um we can talk about it and everything like that but at the end of the day that's that's your life and you have to be happy with whatever it is you're doing Mm -hmm. so you know more part if you don't want to have kids it's hard i don't blame I'm you sure. I know. i'm sure i hear it i heard it from you tonight wow she has a business a kid a husband like my god i can't even i can't even take care of my dog i'm like oh my gosh i'm tired i know he was screaming right as i closed the door i told my husband i was like turn on the tv because i can hear him screaming and i'm about to start recording right. so yeah it's 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 tough so yeah hey. 
Do what you gotta do, girl. <laughs> right. I'll, I'll I'll hang out with your children. I'm just you know, I'll be the cool aunt. You know, that's yes. that's what I always tell you everyone. Can be an auntie. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you again for coming on the podcast. We really thank appreciate you. it. Yes, thank you for having me. This was great. I had a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, we did as well. And for all of our listeners, we definitely suggest that you follow her on social media. Is it is it Dr. Toya on social media? Yeah, or so my it, personal okay. one, yeah, it's Dr. Toya MD. And the professional one is B-U-Y underscore D-E-F-A-U-L-T. So by okay. default or default. I know I hear Delitra say default and it's so funny. <laughs> I used to say default before I had the business, but I changed the way that I said it because I thought it would make like people wouldn't get what I was saying. So I, I yeah. started saying default and I go back and forth. So it was so interesting to hear you say default. Um, it's <laughs> not wrong, me, right? No. It's just like, oh yeah, I, I, I used to say it like that. But yeah. Yeah, so. <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> so B-U-I underscore default. Okay. Yes. Okay. And the, yes. And the website is um, by default.com. B-U-Y-D-E-F-A-U-L-T.com. Yeah, we definitely, I mean, I definitely recommend everybody follow that, get on the directory. If anybody, if, if any of our followers have a small business that's black mm-hmm. owned, I mean, let her know. Um, I'm excited for that, probably most of all. Um, yes. But um, yeah, thank you for coming on. Thank you to our listeners for tuning in to another episode of Nutrient Sisters. Um, you can follow us on social media as well, at Nutrient Sisters. We are, you know, in the process of building our Twitter. We're not really good with that, but we are on Twitter. Twitter is rough. We don't have any thoughts. Like, I don't. <laughs> um, but we are on Instagram. We are on Facebook. Um, we are on YouTube and Spotify and Apple. So follow us, listen to us, support us. Um, yes. And yes, until next time. <laughs> <laughs>